We're going to be looking at two pillars of evangelism. Uh, the song, you're going to see some of the stuff you have today. Hopefully, you got a handout. If you didn't get the handout, what door did you come in? You should have got the handout, all right? You, you need this. Every family, every, uh, uh, there's enough for each one of you in your family. Everyone needs this because we're going to refer to it and come back and forth to it as we go through today and this year. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 12 for the first pillar, and then we're going to be in Matthew 28 for the second one. If you need to get up and go get a paper, feel free to do that. We should have someone at the back, at the back doors with them. You'll want to get them. But I want to share my heart today. I want you to listen closely. Um, your pastor is plagued by one thing. Your pastor is distraught about one thing. And I think we're ready to hear it. I've been here over two years. It, it is not the cancer that some of us face. It is not the financial difficulties that some of us face. It is not the marital issues that someone might be facing. It is not the addiction that people are fighting. It is not the child that has, or grandchild that has gone off the deep end, so to speak. What plagues me, what makes me distraught, what keeps me up at night, it's not the Denver Broncos or your team. It's not some law that will be passed in Santa Fe that I don't like this legislative session. It is evangelism. And I want you to hear me. Please do not tune me out. Please hear me. Please listen and hear my heart today. Your pastor's greatest desire for Hoffmantown Church, forget the videos I did at the beginning and you voted on me and all that kind of stuff, here it is now, almost two and a half years later. My greatest desire for Hoppentown is to become a church sharing God's rescue plan on a consistent basis. With Albuquerque on a consistent basis. This desire includes you and you and you and you and you and it includes me. We can go around the world, and you know I'm for that. You know our family. You know what international missions is like. But what good is it if we cannot do it in our neighborhood, at our job, in our school, with our friends and family? And I know family's tough. Sometimes we've shared and we can't share anymore. Well, then we need to be praying for God to send a Christian into family's life that can but what good is it? In fact, I've often thought, how many people, and I've known some, that have gone on international mission trips over the years, including Hoppentown Church, have come back home, and they've never shared God's rescue plan with someone right that they meet in the supermarket, in the neighborhood, wherever. Just think about that. I think that's an indictment on us. As we go... We're to go everywhere, not just to Africa, not just to South America, not just to the Pacific Rim, but we're to go to Apache Pine Way Northeast, Rudoso, El Moro. I'm trying to think of all your addresses right now. Sorry, I only, I, 
I singled out a few of you, and I can't think of all of them. But that's where we're to go. That's what we're doing. So I want you to hear my heart today. It's a very vulnerable time today, very transparent time. And so today we're going to begin to unfold this evangelism theme for this year. It's called One. And we're to be reminded about the two pillars of evangelism. So if you have the paper, we're not going to go through all this today. Aren't you grateful? We'd be here all day long. But I want you to take this. This is the first of a number of sheets of paper that you as a congregation and I will get over the period of time. And we'll get another one. And I hope we'll just put them together. And this will be our game plan, so to speak. The NFL is in the midst of playoffs right now, aren't they? Some of you are very interested in those. In fact, I saw Cowboys and 49ers gear this morning, and I prayed a simple prayer, God help there not be a riot at Hoffmantown Church. So some of you will not be back next Sunday because your team lost. No, you'll be back, I hope. But, uh, so, so be nice is all I have to say. But uh, hopefully this will become a game plan, something that we can go back and reference Pray over. You'll notice there's a lot of scriptures that's listed here. And here's the thing. Some of you are very perceptive, and you've already seen these headings. And you've already discovered, wait a minute, I've seen those before. Wait a minute, that song that we just heard were these headings. And that is, it's our theme song. And, and we'll look at some more of that a little bit. But let's jump in now to Mark 12. In fact, in Mark 11 and Mark 12, Jesus had been challenged over and over again. He's challenged by the chief priests, then he's challenged by the scribes, then he's challenged by the elders, and then comes the Pharisees and the Herodians, and it's weird. The Herodians were that political party that sided with Rome, and yet they were political bedfellows with the Pharisees because it was expedient. This happens over and over with Jesus, and finally the Sadducees come and question Jesus about all things the resurrection. They didn't even believe in the resurrection, but they challenged him about it. And Jesus refuted them, and he finished with the phrase in the second part of verse 27, Mark 12, and he said simply this, you are badly deceived. And then we pick up the, te the text in Mark 12, 28. One of the scribes approached, and when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? This is the most important, Jesus answered. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. Well, first of all, I don't know that I would have said that. Wow. Jesus, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, right? But this scribe, you know, he, he says, you're right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one and there's no one else except him. Talking about God. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered intelligently, he said to him, this is very interesting. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And I love the last sentence of our passage. And no one dared to question Jesus any longer. Let's pray. 
God, I pray that we will be receptive today. I pray you'll do a work in our life this year. I pray that as we look back on 2023, as individuals belonging to the family of Hoffmantown Church, that we will say, look what God did. Look how God changed my life and others' lives. So we ask that we be open to you today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Of course, we know this section of Scripture. It's called the Great Commandment. Some of you have heard of that. I've preached on it before. The Great Commandment. Notice it is not the Great Suggestion. Did you catch it? It's, there's no, you know, unless it's the weird uncle or the neighbor who uh, did this to your yard or whatever, or the dog that bit you. It doesn't say any of that kind of stuff. It's not the great suggestion. And as a tragic indictment on the American church, it's also not the great omission. But I don't see a lot of love in a lot of American churches today. I see a lot of people needing to prove a certain viewpoint, to be right about certain things, but where's the love? This is what the, the great commandment is all about. The bottom line of, is this. No greater command than this. Love God. Love others. Love self. So let's look at that briefly. Why, Lamar, are you bringing this up as we look at evangelism? Well, this is the first pillar of evangelism, I believe. In fact, this is what, may I call it this? This is the pre-evangelism pillar that we must have the reason so many Christians and it's over 90% and I'm being generous you can look at the studies that over 90% of born-again Christians in American churches never share the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost person how can that be I think it's right here we don't really love our neighbors we don't really love people we don't take serious the great commandment because if we loved them then we would be interested in the fact that they have a spiritual condition that is sending them when they take their last breath here on earth straight to hell and I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you today so let's break down these verses just a little bit in verse 28 I wrote down let us hear and see Jesus in verse 28 we have a scribe now, the scribes were interesting folks. They had identified 613 separate commandments. 365 were negative and 248 were positive. Well, that sounds like a Baptist church right there to me. More negative than positive. Thank you for laughing, those of you that did. Appreciate it. And they even divide them further into heavy and light commandments. In other words, more important and less important. They spent a lot of their time going around and trying to figure out which category that all these things that they've created should be put into. And they held powerful position. They interpreted the law. They interpreted scripture for the law, a lot of different things. But let's center in on this scribe. I want you to think about something. He's in Christ's presence. Do you see that? He noticed, he heard. He heard, the scripture says, what had taken place. That word, that verb means to express forceful differences of opinion without necessarily having a presumed goal of seeking a solution. So they were kind of going back and forth, and he heard it. And I, I think when we look at the pre-evangelism pillar, or we look at the first pillar of evangelism, we have to, first of all, get with Jesus. 
We have to hear Jesus. We have to hear the word. I hope you don't hear my words today. You can tune all of them out as long as you hear the words of Scripture today. Do we hear Jesus? Do we hear the word? So he's in Christ's presence. And then we also see that he is effective and we should be effective. The Scripture says he saw that Jesus had answered, what did he say? Well. He, he, he saw that that had happened. That means correctly, rightly, excellently. And he was stirred by Jesus. This is a scribe, remember? So we should be in Christ's presence. We should be affected by Jesus. We should see the things that he's doing, what he's teaching us, and we should want to spend time with Jesus. The scribe didn't just see it and go away. He, boldly, I think, engages Jesus. He engaged Jesus with a question. So he's now spending time with Jesus. He's now front and center with Jesus. There he is. Very interesting. Scripture records this for us. There's no backing out now. And I would say that. Would you agree with that? You want to spend time with Jesus? He's right there. You're front and center with Jesus. He is right there. And there's no backing out. He wants to do a work in your life and my life. So to keep the great commandment, we must hear Jesus, be stirred by Jesus, and spend time with Jesus. So what's the commandment? Well, let's go on. Verses 29 and 30. The command is, let us love God. Jesus' command is clear. He quotes from Deuteronomy 6, and this section, this was quoted sometimes twice daily by the pious Jew. They knew exactly what he was referring to, what he was quoting to. All these groups that had come his way, they knew exactly because of morning and night they recited this. Maybe that's why he liked it so much. But the command is clear. There is one God. Our love to him must be undivided. It cannot be diluted. There is one God, and he is Lord he is Yahweh, the covenantal God, and he is personal. It says, our God. So it's very clear that we are to love God. Why? Because he's our God. Because he is the one and only God. And we are to love him. That's part of the great commandment. But Jesus goes further in his quotation. And he says, we're to love God with all our being. Did you catch it? Four things that is listed there. With our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Well, what does that mean? That means I am to love God with all of me. Not with part of me, but with all of me. You know, I've, I've run into a lot of different kind of people who say they're Christians, and some of them will love God with their mind. They desire knowledge, but nothing else. Some with their, their heart. They don't desire knowledge, but they desire emotion. We could go on and on. But it's heart, soul, mind, and strength. God doesn't want part of us. He wants all of us. And that's why evangelism is such a tricky subject, because if he wants all of us, it includes evangelism. And evangelism is and will be so difficult if we do not first love God. And I pray today that you, if you struggle with this subject, that you might spend some time with the Lord and finding out, do I truly love you or not? Well, let's go on. 
Verse 31. Jesus now is not quoting from Deuteronomy 6, but he's quoting from Leviticus 19. And notice, <laughs> this is great. The scribe asked for one thing right. The scribe did not ask for a second greatest commandment or did not ask for a second part of the greatest commandment, but Jesus gave it anyway. And I think that's how Jesus is, don't you? Have you ever spent time with God and he gave you something that you really didn't ask for? Right? Come on, right? That's what really changes us. But I think what's, as we look at the construction here, the two cannot be separated. They have to go together. And so the second part is to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the question becomes, who is my neighbor? Jesus had already redefined neighbor to include everyone. I want you to hear that, folks. I, want, I, I, I don't want us to debate over who's our neighbor. It's everyone. Now, obviously, we're going to have more impact probably with someone right in our neighborhood, a next-door neighbor, someone down the street, than maybe someone that lives in a different neighborhood, or maybe a co-worker, or, or, or someone that we're in an organization with, or whatever might be going on. Of course, we're going to have tighter connections, but it's everyone. In Luke 10, other places, Jesus had already demonstrated to them that even the hated Samaritans and the Gentiles... We're neighbors, everyone. Jesus shows us that it's impossible to really love God without loving neighbors. I want you to hear that. I, I really, oh, I want you to hear that. I wish I could meet with BSF on Thursday. I wish I could meet with Oak Grove School, Kids Express. I wish I could meet with all of our Bible study classes. I wish I could meet with every group and say this. It's impossible to really love God if you don't love your neighbors. I don't know how else to say it. It is that way. If you're, if you're repulsed by something, the love of God should transcend your repulsion or revulsion or whatever the word is for someone's lifestyle or choice. Listen, the love of God compels us to go and share his love. Not to be right, not to make a point and win the point. I don't know about you, but I'm getting older. Anybody in here getting older? I'm just going to tell you something. God's doing a work in my life. I know I am less and less needing to be right about everything. Any of you have grandkids? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know? <laughs> we may have been really hard on our kids, but we're not so hard on those grandkids. Thank the, if you have one, thank the Lord for that. But instead of just being right and, or winning a debate, yes, there's people that do that. Yes, there's brilliant theologians, and I praise the Lord for them. Sometimes they're on TV. You know, they're in college campuses all throughout our country debating and do all that. But for the rank-and-file Christian, let me say this. It's impossible to really love God if you can't love your neighbor. I don't care if you can win a theological point if you don't love your neighbor enough to tell them about the rescue plan of God. But there's more. It doesn't just say, love your neighbor. It says, love your neighbor what? As yourself. Love myself, Lamar? Now, let me just tell you, this is not, this was written a long time ago, okay? This is not a reference to the modern self-love that we see, right? I'm okay, you're okay, 
you know, I, this is my reality, stay out of it. This, I am the center of the universe, or at least the metaverse, or at least social media. And all. No, it's not this at all. It's simply a reminder that God wants all of me. God wants all of you. And part of that means, listen, church, we must find our significance in him. Are you hearing me? It can't be in our kids, it can't be in our spouse, it can't be in our bank account, it can't be in our investments, it can't be in our degrees, it can't be... Listen, our significance as Christians must first and foremost be found purely in God. That He has saved us and that we are His children, we are part of the family of God. Amen? Are you glad that you're part of the family of God? Listen, that supersedes the self-loathing that people have about our past and our sin. Listen, most of us have a past. I do. What about you guys? Most of us, all of us, have sin in our lives and even in the past. We must get past even that and realize our significance is in God. That's why the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. So, you must realize that you and I must be reconciled and restored. Why? So we can love others. If you, let me tell you right now, and I think there's some in this room this size. If you're hating yourself, you can't love others. Good luck. How are you going to do it? You can't fulfill the commandment. You've got to get past that. You've got to get past that. And Jesus concludes that there's no greater command than these. Wow. Well, let's move on. Verses 32 through 34. Let us examine the words of Jesus and inventory our life. I use Mark's encounter. This encounter is also in other Gospels, but only Mark's Gospel gives the scribe's reply, and I'm grateful for that. And only in the Gospel of Mark is the scribe described favorably. He says, basically, what does he say? Jesus, you are right. And then Jesus responds to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus told him he was close to understanding. And I would ask you today, as we think about the great commandment, where are you with Jesus? How close are you to Jesus? Are you truly a child of God or are you not? Are you seeking? Are you searching today? Are you kind of like pushback? Are you all in? I don't know. You know God can help you with that but we want to know where we are with Jesus. So let me close this first pillar by saying we need a commitment to the great commandment. We need to love God, love others, love self. There's no greater command. Well, let's get to the second pillar, the evangelism pillar, the second pillar of evangelism. Just turn back a book, go to Matthew chapter 28, very end of the Gospel of Matthew. Dallas Willard said this, Since making disciples is the main task of the church, every church ought to be able to answer these questions. What is our plan for making disciples of Jesus? And is our plan working? And now I want to refer just briefly for a moment before we read the scripture to our, our little game plan. You want to take that out? I just want you to look at these, these first couple quotes. and Let them sink in. Aaron Summers, I've got a quote right there. Do you see it at the top? The local church that stands on the word of God but isn't evangelizing is neglecting the primary call from the word of God. Can you feel my heart? Can you feel how distraught that I can be? 
we have a high view of Scripture. We greatly value the Word of God. But what an indicting statement here is if we ne neglect the primary call, the primary, foremost commission, command to us in Scripture, then we are negligent. But there's hope. Look what Monty Mullenix said. God changes lives through the gospel. Those accepting it and those sharing it. God wants to do something crazy in our lives. And then Daniel Dickard said this. Pre-evangelism pre is important. But the church must not confuse pre-evangelism with evangelism. Unless the good news of Jesus is declared verbally, evangelism has not occurred. If Jesus is in our heart, look at this, his gospel should proceed out of our mouth. And you'll hear me saying a lot, I, I firmly believe these days in relational evangelism. Do you know what that is? That we, many people, I'm just going to tell you straight out, many people in our world are not ready just for me to go up and give you John 3.16 and say, you ready? Give your life to Jesus. However, as I say that and as I talk about that and hopefully as we model that, I want us to also realize, though, just relationship is not evangelism. It wins, it's pre-evangelism. It wins the right to go ahead then and make the ask. And there's a lot of diagnostic questions we can use. There's a lot of discussions we can have with someone. But let us just not go, and even with what we do this year, well, I did that, I did that, I build these relationships. Not, that, not if we don't get to the point of making the ask. We can invite people to church. We can invite people to read the Bible with us. We can invite people to do a lot of things. But at some point, we need to invite people to Jesus. Are you hearing me? Okay. So I'm a firm believer in re relational evangelism, but this quote helps us to see that there's more to that. Well, let's look at now the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority has been given me. These are the words of Jesus. All, he came near and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything or all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the great commission from the, our resurrected Lord. This is post-resurrection. This, this, this is the game plan. These are the marching orders that Jesus fully resurrected, fully conquered sin and death and the grave and hell and Satan. He is triumphant. This is the triumphant Lord, and this is what he shares. Notice, first of all, in verse 18, all. There's a lot of alls in there, by the way. Did you notice that? In fact, read the, the whole chapter 28. You're going to find some more alls. Can I just say this? All means all. Yeah. All power and authority is Christ. Jesus gives them assurance of his power and his authority. Now let's talk about that for a minute. How can Jesus make that kind of statement? Well, we know in Philippians chapter 2 that it's a given power from God. God exalts Jesus. That great chapter, Philippians 2, where Jesus, the, the scripture tells us he humbles himself and God exalts him. In fact, his name is above what? Every other name. 
This authority is above and over all that is in the universe. This is who my Jesus is. It includes the power to forgive sins, to judge, receive, and reject people, to save, to deliver people through life and death. Amen? I say amen to that last one. I'm counting on him to deliver me in death. What about you? Listen to Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. He, or God, demonstrated this power in the Messiah, that's Jesus, by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he, God, put everything under his feet, Jesus, and appointed Jesus as head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. That's what the Bible says. He has all authority and power over everything in heaven, but also on earth. It is his power and authority that flows through us as we engage people with the gospel. We call it evangelism and make disciples. That's the beauty of it. God saves, not me. It's not, if it was my power, psh, We'd be on a losing streak. It's not. It's God's power that flows through me and you. Now, disciple-making is hard, but it can be done. Why can it be done? Because of Jesus' authority, and his authority gives us confidence as we go. Now, here are the heart of God, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. And the Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he is patient with you. And here's the kicker. Not wanting any to perish, but all come to repentance. Again, notice here in this chapter all the alls and all the goes. You see it over and over and over again. Well, the command is in 19 and 20. Do you see it? You know it. Some of you memorized it. It says, go therefore. Now, when you see the lit, therefore, you need to ask what it's there for. It's a link. The commission is linked back to Jesus' authority. You see that? The commission is no good unless it has Jesus' power and authority. But Jesus commissioned his followers, and that's you and me today. It's not a comfortable call, but rather it's a costly command. Now, I want to tell you something. I said all means all. Go means go. Would you agree with that statement? Anybody object to that? Here's the beauty, beauty of most of the people I know. Most of us are always on the go. A number of you are retired, and I, you're like really busy. You're on the go. In fact, some of you said, I think I'm busier than when I was working a full-time job. Great. We're on the go. Go means go. That part is solved. We just have to obey. Now, unfortunately, in the version of Scripture in the English language that we had for centuries, it had an inaccurate translation. Because the accurate translation here is to go and make disciples. It's not to teach. It's to go and make disciples. So if you have that translation, go ahead and add that in, write that in, because that's what's actually accurate. You see, there is an imperative, one, it's make disciples, and then there's three participles that is surrounding it, going, baptizing, and teaching. 
So based on these verses, we can see some things. We need to go and share. Share what? God's rescue plan. We must speak about the gospel to others as we live out the gospel. We need to do both. We need to do both. Our strategy should be this. What should our church's strategy be? What should the vision? I've heard about vision and goals and all kinds of things. Here it is. All members of our church engage our world with the gospel. Well, what else do we need to share? Well, we also baptize. That's showing the word. That baptism symbolizes indication with Christ and the body of Christ. You see, you look at the New Testament and you read it all and come back to me and, and see if you can dispute this. I don't think you can. The New Testament knows nothing of unbaptized Christians. Save the thief on the cross. I mean, it doesn't talk about that. I mean, look at that. All through there, it's talking about what? He's baptized, okay? So what happens? We get the order right. We're saved. We're regenerated. We are, have conversion. We have salvation. And then we are to be baptized because that identifies, gives the picture. It signifies our life with Christ, okay? So we need to do that. That shows the word. And I would just ask you, have you been baptized, Christian? I would also ask you this. Have you gotten the order correct? Conversion, then baptism. I'm not putting down that baptism maybe when you were a baby. But that is not believer's baptism. Baby's not a believer. Okay, That's for the parents, the family. Have you gotten the order right? And then according to Scripture, have you gotten the mode or the method right? I'm sorry if you're not a good swimmer, but the word means dunk, to dip, plunge, immerse. That's what the word means. So I would just ask you that. Now, why is this important? I think for evangelistic speech, something else. Because some of my evangelist, evangelist friends would get upset with me, but I don't want to hear that you went and did something and 50 people got saved. Great. I want to know, what are those 50 people doing six months after conversion? What are those people doing a year after conversion? Do you see what I'm saying? So that baptism gives us a whole other picture. What? Identifying with Christ, with a local church, getting plugged in, being mentored, being discipled, all those kind of things. We need to do that. Not only do we need to share, do we need to baptize, but we need to teach. Teach what? All? Everything? Well, how can we do that? It's the Word. The idea here is more than teach, though. It is not the transmission of biblical knowledge to hear. It is more the idea of reproducing the word. It's more the idea of multiplication. It's more the idea of sharing and then someone else goes and shares. Do you know the difference between a disciple and a disciple maker? I've been trying not to say discipleship anymore. I've been trying to say disciple making. The difference is this. A disciple maker is the one who moves beyond feeding themselves to feeding others and helping them to then go and feed others and helping them to go and feed others. And then finally, we serve. Well, where? All means all. The entire world. I am for the entire world. Uh, we just finished a God-miraculous Lottie Moon offering, did we not? Amazing. However, I do want to remind you that all means next door, down the street, at that building or that building, okay? 
because all nations are translated tribes, families, clans, and peoples. So I would say that includes neighborhoods, schools, and workplaces. And then look how it ends. Jesus promises to be with us always. Well, how can that be? He sent the Holy Spirit, Acts 1-8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You'll be my, what's the key word there? You'll be my witnesses. Not my teachers. Not my givers. Not my organizers. Those are all important. But you will be my witness. And what greater expert witness about salvation is there than the Holy Spirit who lives in us giving expert witness so let's do something we had a couple things to do before we close today I want to do something I want you to share quickly I don't need the whole story listen I don't want to hear your testimony this morning okay some of y'all can do it in a minute some of you it takes an hour all right Here's what I want you to do. Tell at least two people. That way it's more than just your spouse. Who was it who told... When you were saved, somebody told you, unless it was some miraculous thing. Somebody told you. So this shouldn't take long. You don't have to give all the circumstances. If you know the name, maybe you don't. For me, it's a man, old man that went to camp with boys. He told me when I had the questions. See how easy that was? But whatever it is, right now, go to two people quickly and just say, who was it that told you about the gospel when you were saved? And if that hasn't happened to you, great. You just sit there and listen to someone tell you that. Ready? Go. I don't want to hear your testimony. Just who was it? Who was it? All right, you ought to be done with one person. Move on to the second one. Let's go. Who was it? All right, time's up. Sit back down. Turn around. Obey your pastor, please. Come on. Do that. So let's take a poll, all right? Let's take a poll. I'm going to guess that some of you said it was my mom let me see a hand look around okay some of you may have said my father my dad yeah hey look at that some of you may have said a Sunday school teacher anyone come on yay I'm scared to ask this one some of you may have said a pastor or minister praise God there's some hands <laughs> what else Grandparents, a VBS teacher, worker, campus crusade for Christ, collegiate work, amen. A neighbor, what? Coffee shop? Someone in a coffee shop? Oh, okay, I got you. All right. What else? You gotta, if you're in the back, you got to yell. I can't hear. A friend. A friend. What else? Billy Graham. Were you there or watching on TV? Doesn't matter. All right, someone else. 
Spouse, thank you. Wow, spouse. That's how it was for my pops. Someone else. Okay, you get the idea? Friend, it, uh, we, here's the point, church. Somebody told us. <laughs> Some man spent time at primary camp with a bunch of boys. God help you if you have to be the sponsor at primary. That means like first, second, and third grade. Boys, God help you if you have to do that. When the light bulb went on for me, when I understood sin finally, this broken, messed up kid from an abusive, broken family had questions, and there was a man, and I don't even know his name. He was old. You know how I knew he was old? I was a little kid, and he had gray hair. <laughs> he told me, and it was simple. Yes, sin is real. Yes, the Bible says you're a sinner, just like me. Yes, there's a penalty. It, it's death. It separates you from God. But there's hope. His name is Jesus. And this is what he did, and he can forgive you. Would you like that? Boom. Do you see how long that took? Now, he probably answered other questions. But somebody told us, outside of there, I know there's some miraculous situations, and I've heard of it. I've known guys like in jail, and they, they get a Bible, and they're just reading, and it's miraculous. But most of the time, what happens? Somebody told us. Now, here's the point, church. It's in Romans. If somebody told us, what about the somebodies out there? What about the people out there who are not Christians, who do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Somebody's got to tell them. And I love a lot of these ways, but I think it's personal. We were in on Franklin Graham. We were in on that, right? I was leading people to the Lord. We, there were people making decisions, but where are they now? What is their life like now? You see, I think the better way is God places you and me in certain situations, whether it's at camp, whether it's at church, whether it's at VBS, whether it's at a restaurant, whether it's in the neighborhood, whether it's having someone over to dinner. We could go on and on and on. He places us in these situations for us to be the one who tells them. Well, let me encourage you today. I'm going to give you a couple reports. Uh, and this is, I realize this might be anecdotal to my point, but can you give me some grace this morning? Would you do that? I mean, it, it fits with the great commission. It fits with the great command. I have noticed something. People who are telling all the time, consistently, telling others about God's rescue plan, people get saved around that person. Isn't that interesting? And here's something else I've noticed. The Christian who never, ever tells God's rescue plan to a lost person, people don't get saved around that person. Would you, can you agree with that, just logically? Please. Listen to some folks who are sharing the good news. I'm going to go to our BSU. It's called Christian Challenge. It's the Baptist thing, you know, in our colleges. 
UNM, right down the, whatever that street is. This is New Mexico State. Can anything good come out of Las Cruces? Oh, I thought I'd get some booze or whatever. Listen to New Mexico State University BSU students. And I would say the college is one of the most difficult places to share the gospel. This is the year 2022, last year. Our students and staff had the privilege of sharing the gospel with 173 people in the spring of 2022. This is on campus, Las Cruces. And 148 in the fall of 2022. I don't know what happened in fall, not as many. Through these encounters, are you ready for this? We are aware of 17 people who trusted Christ in the spring and 16 people who trusted Christ in the fall. They went out, sometimes by themselves, but often in a great model, two by two, and were trained and equipped and shared the gospel, and 33 people that they know of accepted Christ on an American secular college campus. Here's some more good news. Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, my seminary, but it's not why I'm sharing it, did an evangelism practicum. It's part of a degree. You have to do this. So they were held accountable, but 84 students enrolled in the fall of 2022, just back in the fall of 2022. This is in Fort Worth. Have you ever, if you know where that seminary is, it's in the ghetto now. It's pretty bad. These 84 students shared the gospel almost 1,100 times, and 130 people professed Christ. Now, you mathematicians don't start putting averages with that. There's no average, although I could look and kind of figure that out. But what's really cool is that when the gospel is shared, God is still in the saving business. People are still being saved. So I want to do one other thing, and then we'll conclude. We're, going to run, we're running out of time, so we're going to conclude in a very different way today, but stay with me. I, I, I want you to thank now. You shared with a couple people, right, who told you? And it looked like y'all were having fun doing that. I heard laughing and smiling. Nobody got up. You know, nobody got up and stormed out. It was great. Okay? But how about who could you tell? the year 2023 I'm not saying we have to do that but think how amazing it would be if most of us Christians here at Hoffman Down Church decided I'm going to get three in 23 it doesn't mean I'm going to get them as a notch in the, in the belt that I did it no I'm going to intentionally develop a relationship if necessary if I already have the relationship I'm going to plunge in and make the ask I am going to go after at least three people with the gospel. That should be really easy for us to do. Can you imagine the hundreds of people that would hear the gospel? Can you imagine at least the dozens who would be saved, that God would save? How will they know, right, unless they hear? It's our opportunity. I want to share with you just a couple things coming up, and then we're going to pray and then go to announcements. Um, we've got a calendar where we'll start sharing some things. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're not trying to do a bunch of new things. We're going to do some new things, but we want to have intentionality with this. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that the pastor said I can't have a class party. 
No, what the pastor is saying is, why would you have a class party without inviting people you're concerned about or lost to come to your class party? Can you see the difference, church? Can you see that? So we're going to evaluate everything we're doing. Is there an evangelistic aspect to it? If not, why are we doing it? So be thinking about that. We get our first shot right out of the bat. Tuesday night, we're having our evangelism prayer meeting. We've identified at least seven people who've been saved from those names we write on the board. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Prayer is important. Most of them have been from out of town, relatives and friends that people are concerned about. I'm praying this year, though, that we'd have more and more names locally and that we'd be able to mark them off the list because God saved them. We also have another big thing coming up on February 12th. It's called Sports Sunday. Some of y'all need to get on board. Can I just say that as your pastor? It's not to glorify the Super Bowl. It's not to glorify sports. It's for us to gather together in a fun, non-threatening way and invite as many as we can to our classes and to church. And what fun way to do it. Perhaps some would come if they know they're going to come in their team's outfit or their hobby outfit. All I ask, if you're a competitive shooter, don't bring the gun. Or if, you're, if, if, if bow hunting is your thing, bring the bow but leave, and the camouflage, leave the arrows at home, okay? So what it is. If you're a platform diver, don't wear that outfit, okay? <laughs> but let us come and have fun. Let us do something special in our classes and let us invite people. Here's our first opportunity. I hope that you'll consider that. February is going to be Love Your Neighbor Month. Next week, you're going to get another handout. And it's going to talk about a variety of ways that you can begin relationships with your neighbors if you don't have them, or where you can move to actually sharing your testimony, sharing the gospel with neighbors that you have a relationship with. I know it's hard to do. Satan will put in our mind this. You've developed a relationship with this guy for a couple years. You can't, know, you can't go and share the gospel now because he's going to spit in your face and say, if it's that important, why didn't you do it a long time ago? That's the devil. God says, go, therefore, and make disciples. It doesn't matter the time or the place or the history. We're to do that. And I'm going to challenge you to do that. We're going to throw one other thing out, and it's this. If you really need help to go, we're available. Our pastors and directors, we're available to go with you. Our elders are available to go with you. Uh, our deacons, I'm sure, most of them, I haven't talked with all of them yet, are available to go. We have people that will say, I, a guy with a guy or a gal with a gal, I'll go. I'll go help. You don't have the words, let's go together. I'll help you do it. Let's go love on that person. So those are some things that are coming up. The New Mexico Evangelism Conference is also coming up. That's February 27, 28, and we'll share more with that. I have a goal of a number of people in our church getting equipped that evangelism conference so that'll be coming every week something will be coming okay we are way out of time and so I'll leave that with you would you begin praying about opportunities would you begin begin praying about uh, having a receptive heart would you begin thinking about who is your neighbor would you begin thinking about even if you can't come on a Tuesday night I realize some of you have obligations but be praying by name for people who need to be saved would you consider doing something blowout and having goals even in your class 
for February 12th. Let's see what we can do. Wouldn't it be great? We could run out of chairs. How awesome would that be? And then throughout the month of February, because it is the month of, say it with me, love. Come on. It's the month of love. Let us love our neighbors, Vanden Conference. We've got more things leading up to Easter. I'm going to share one other thing. We've got, you know, we've got VBS Fall Festival, all those things you guys know about. We just want to ramp them up. Um, in July, the week after the 4th of July week, we're going to get into the neighborhoods. And we already have one church coming to help us, all the way from Tennessee. If they can come all the way from Tennessee to help us, surely I can go in the neighborhood. So we'll get trained and do that. So we're going to do it, all right? Some of us may get shot. Praise the Lord if you get shot because you're sharing Christ. But we're going in the neighborhoods. Let us pray. Let me pray for us. Thank you for hearing my heart. And then we'll go to announcements. And then we will walk swiftly either to next steps or to our Sunday school classes. Lord, help us to internalize, to appropriate in our lives your great commandment. Lord, we recognize we must love other, you and others as ourselves to be able to share the good news. Lord, help us to be receptive to the great commission to go. God, I recognize we are always on the go and we pass right by people who need to have the touch of the love of God in their hearts, who need to know that there is purpose and meaning to life, to know that their sin can be forgiven, that there's a better way. God, we claim the truth that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We claim that today. We thank you. God, I thank you for the sweet sound of people all across this room telling others who told them. God, I pray that at the end of this year, we might have stories, and we were someone who told someone, and you, God, saved them. God, help us. We turn to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.